Shall we pray? Father, you've promised that you would speak to us. And you've been faithful to your promise. Even, Lord, when I wondered what you were doing and how you were going to do it, you've been faithful. And I thank you for that. We come waiting to hear more from you. Speak to us. Lord, speak through me. Use me fully and completely. And Lord, when we have heard your word, give us hearts to respond. Give us the ability to say yes, and then to obey and act on what we've heard. And we promise, Lord, to give you all of the honor and all of the glory forever. Amen. We've been using the analogy of princesses. Princesses with attitude. Princesses who marry princes and stay away from frogs. Okay. We've been talking about princesses who know how to live in the order of authority that God has given for their own good and the good of the others that God has placed in relationship with them. Everywhere I go, Every time I go, somebody will come up to me and say, and often it's phrased as, well, shouldn't people wear da 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 I went to the Caribbean, uh, did a week of prayer, and someone came up to me and said, is it okay for women to wear bathing suits? And I said, yeah, as far as I know, is it, you know, is, it, is the bathing suit modest, so forth and so on. And the next night, someone showed up and said, See, you're telling the young people that they can wear bathing suits. And we tell them that they can't wear bathing suits. Long conversation about whether or not you can wear bathing suits. And then someone wanted me to tell what length dresses ought to be, how many inches below the knee, da 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 Everywhere we go. But what is the real question? The real question is not how long ought the dress to be. What is the real question that we struggle with as godly women about appearance? Okay, one of the questions is, is it okay to look sexy? Okay. Does this glorify God? And What am I saying with my appearance? What does it say about me? But there's a bigger question, which is, what does a godly woman look like? Because I think if you can answer that question, it helps answer some of these other questions. Okay. What does the Bible tell us that a godly woman looks like. Anybody have a Bible passage that you can refer us to that tells us what a godly woman would look like? Now see, I know I'm, I'm sitting here with Bible scholars who brought their Bibles with them, and so you may want to turn to somebody close to you and reference with them. You know, I find something interesting when I come to sessions like this. Why do you make the assumption that I will have things to tell you about the Bible 
and you will have nothing to say about scripture. Princesses, children of God, who should know their father's word. Yeah? Take a moment, find somebody next to you, share with each other, see if you can find a Bible passage that says something to us about appearance. Because somebody in here has one. What was yours? And now there are all kinds of people saying, I know there's a text in there somewhere. I know there is. You can find it. You can find it and I will wait for you. Be prepared to read that for me, okay? Be prepared to read yours. Looking for a couple more. Proverbs 31, where? Is that all about appearance? 30, verse 30. Okay, we've got something to start with here. Come on in, have a seat. We've got seats, there's some up here few over here. Okay. Deuteronomy 22 verse 5. Someone read that for us, please. Quickly, quickly, please. Okay. That's Deuteronomy 22 verse 5. Hold on to that. Um, we'll call that same-sex garment. Okay. 1 Peter 3, someone's reading from 1 Peter 3. Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Okay. Peter talks about outward adornment versus inward adornment. Okay? Proverbs. Charm is deceptive. Deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Beauty is not the issue, it's whether or not we fear the Lord. First Timothy 2 9. In like manner also, What's the next verse on that one? Uh-huh. Because you need the second verse for the verse before. Because what we've got pretty consistently is outward inward. Outward inward. You look at the passages and the passages say, not with this outward stuff, but with the inward stuff. I want to start with the inward adornment. Because we tend to spend a lot of time arguing about the outward adornment. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a verse. 
Oh, okay, let's add that one more verse. Okay. Okay. And so we're looking at Esther, where Esther, rather than adding what many people added to be beautiful, took only what God recommended for her. We're still getting to this business of inward adornment versus outward adornment. And what I want to know is, what do godly women look like inwardly that adorns them outwardly? And I'll tell you what really pushed me to that question. I went to the hairdressers and we were doing my hair and I said to her, please be careful with what you do with my hair because I don't wear earrings. And she said, you don't wear makeup either, do you? And I said, no. I didn't want to say it's kind of obvious, but. And um, well, she'd seen me several times. She knows I, doesn't, I don't wear makeup. And she said to me, well then, all they'll be able to look at is your face. <laughs> and a light went on in my head. Because in this case, what she was saying to me, and I had never really thought about it before, is if you don't have all this other stuff, your beauty has to be in what's left. And so I'm driving home from the hairdresser thinking to myself, what does my face look like? <laughs> Do I have a face that's beautiful enough to carry on its own? What makes faces beautiful? Peace. peace. Women of peace have beautiful faces and we can tell it. Joyful women have beautiful faces. There's some women in their 80s who have gorgeous faces. And I can tell you that they were not bitter in their 50s. They say that your face at 15 or 20 is what God gave you. Your face at 70 and 80 is what you made it. And part of what God is saying is, some of us who are spending our time and money on all kinds of other things, it is distracting us from developing the faces we need to have. It is also keeping other people from seeing the faces God is creating in us. A godly woman has beautiful eyes. Why? What does a godly woman use her eyes for? To see the beauty and the needs in others. 
anybody who can see me as I am and see beauty in me as beautiful eyes to me. Remember that song that was out years ago? She's got her father's eyes. Some of us, instead of the emphasis on all the stuff that we're putting around our eyes to draw attention to our eyes, if we were able to see people the way God sees them, the beauty in our eyes just from the expression would be enough to draw people to us. I challenge you to spend time and energy making up your eyes to be your father's eyes. Godly women have beautiful lips. What does the Bible say make lips beautiful? Lips that carry good news. What kind of lips do you have? If I talk to people in your family, what will they tell me about your lips and your mouth? Some of us who are busy drawing attention to our lips might want to focus on, do we have the kind of lips that people would want to hear from? Godly women, you know how James says, that, you know, out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing? Some of us have lips that don't even have the blessing. And others of, of, others of us have mouths that can turn around on a dime you know, you just saw Sister Someone so happy Sabbath, so delighted to see you. You know, the Lord is blessing me. And I followed you five minutes down the side. I cannot believe what she did. I'll tell you about that girl. It is unbelievable that anybody, and you're gone. Okay? And I can stand behind you for quite a while in some cases. And believe me, I've been there. The Lord says, if you allow me to sanctify and use your mouth, it'll be attractive to people with nothing on it because of who you are and what you say. Godly women have beautiful chests. I was, actually, one day this week, I was driving down the road, and an ad came on. And I don't know what the ad is for. I truly don't. But the beginning of the ad, they were saying, the best things are in the back. And I was like, what? You know, when I turned up the radio, I'm like, what? And they proceeded to do a very interesting ad. They said, you know, if you go to high-end stores and you're a regular customer, they will take things and put them in the back for you. And when you come, you say, um, you can't find what you want on the floor. And you say, can you get me something from the back? 
because they've kept some of the best things in the back. And I got to thinking, and I thought, you know, that's true. And the more expensive the store is, the more likely that is to happen. Shoe stores do the same thing. If they have really high-end shoes and the population is not particularly high-end, they will still have some high-end shoes in the back. And when you come in, you know who you are. Say, something from the back. Now, I don't know what they were advertising, and I wish I did now. Whatever it was in the back, I think it was a car. But something occurred to me. The best part of us should be behind what people see. The best part of us should be behind what people see. What's behind your chest? I have been dismayed at the degree to which males in my, of my acquaintance have trouble looking women in the face lately. Stand in a crowd anywhere nowadays and look at some of the men and watch where their eyes are. And some of that has to do with us. Sometimes we're so busy putting out there something to draw attention that people's attention becomes focused on what's in front and they have no clue what's behind it. And so even if you have something behind it worth knowing, they don't know. Because things are in their face. Are you with me? The issue that God says is, you are beautiful inside, and it shows on the outside. Cultivate that beauty. It will make you attractive. And the problem is we don't believe. And one of the reasons we don't believe, in all honesty, is we don't see it enough. We have some ugly women in our churches. I'm praying, God, that I don't become one of them. And some of us are ugly because we have lived our lives in bitterness and complaining and distrust. And it shows in our faces and our bodies, and we are deathly unattractive. And so young people say, I don't see where the inner beauty is attractive, because that's not inner beauty. This generation should be the generation to prove it. That if you live a life of inner beauty, it will shine through. See, sometimes we don't know if what God says is true because we haven't tried it yet. There are lots of reasons for arguing about dress length and so forth and so on. But I think the strongest reason is God tells us, if you do this, people will be able to see what I want them to see. They will not be distracted. And we have 50 million ways to distract them from who we are inside. And I wonder sometimes if it's because we are afraid 
that if they saw us as we are inside, they couldn't love us. If that is our fear, what's the solution? Not putting more on, changing what's inside. Because all the more that we put on, and you know the problem with some of the outside stuff is that if you get close enough, sooner or later they're going to have to find the inside. And we all know women who have spent much of their lives beautifying the outside. And then people get to know them, and that marriage ends. And then they do more, and that doesn't work. And eventually now they've got to do all the chemical and surgical things. And it still isn't working because there is not enough inside to hold on to. Princesses don't need all of that outside. Because what they really want is that core inside to shine through. Uninterrupted, undistracted. Making sense? There are other reasons. When we talk about modesty in dress, and we've read the texts, and we are enjoined to modesty, part of it, so that our insides can show, what's another reason? My father used to say, if you're not selling, don't advertise. Mm -hmm. Pretty basic. I just came across, as I was preparing for this, another phrase that said, if you're not serving dinner, don't set the table. If you know that how you dress says something that is not true about you, then you're lying. And lying is a sin. I don't care if everybody's wearing it. Language, clothing speaks. And we know the language. You know, we want to play games. You know what it says. Do you? Do we need to talk about that? Do we need to talk about what some clothing says? Yes or no? Or do you know? Rome is quiet. I don't know what that means. Is that a yes or a no? Talk about it. Okay. We will be direct. Because <laughs> some of you are just wondering, how far is she going to go? <laughs> as far as she needs to. We live in a sexual society in which women have been reduced to sexual objects. That is the antithesis of the identity that God has given us. We live in a society that returns in cycles historically. And if you look at fashion over time, you will see those cycles. More clothes, less clothes. Coverage, lack of coverage. We are in the lack of coverage cycle. Okay? Cover as little as you can. I have a brother, and I have cousins. And my brother was saying to me the other day, and we talked about it at length, he said, if women had any clue 
the process that we go through. Because we don't go through the same process. So we start something for them that their brain then continues. And we wonder why they treat us the way that they do. They treat us the way that we asked them to treat us, as sexual objects whose only worth is our bodies, because that's what we put out there. And then we're upset when people read our messages and respond appropriately. And a lot of times we're not thinking. It's a nice dress, looks nice on me. What are you saying? Godly women have to worry about what does this say and is this something that God says about me? And at the point that God says that that's all you are, then it's okay for you to wear it. As long as he is saying you are more, then draw attention to who he says you are. I have to keep going through my wardrobe. I have to keep talking to myself. I have to keep myself aware. Styles change. And you all are having the same trouble in the stores that I'm having. Is it worth the fight? As long as it's important to you to tell the truth, it's worth the fight. As long as it's important to you to represent yourself the way God sees you, it's worth the fight. I'm getting close to the point where I'm beginning to believe I need to pull the sewing machine out. <laughs> it's got dust on it. But I'm almost at that point. I'm having trouble in stores. Significant trouble. I used to be able to buy business suits. That changed. Okay. God never told us it was going to be easy. He said, be obedient anyway. He does not give exceptions. There is no slip that you can get for him that says, you know, since you can't find it, you're excused. I would like to have a slip sometimes. <laughs> Exception for Janice. No exceptions, no excuses. This is my word. Do it. I love you. I see your pain. Do it. Very clear. I'm not going to do the details. This and this and this. And I know some of you would like me to go through all the details. I'm more concerned about you substituting inward for outward and letting go of the outward long enough to develop the inward because if you develop it enough and you see how attractive you are, you're not going back. So if you haven't tried it yet, try it. Until you've proved that it doesn't work, don't knock it. If it doesn't work, email me. I surely want to hear this story. If you let go of the outward, you develop the inward, and you became less attractive to princes, not frogs, let me know. 
Because remember, frogs have a totally different set of eyes. And frogs are looking for totally different things. So I would hope that you would become less attractive to some frogs. That's a good sign. It's working. Yeah? Because I think we sometimes distract ourselves from the real issue fighting about little things. The little things are consequence. Tell you my jewelry story. At a certain point in my life, I had looked at scripture and so forth and decided that, yeah, I could wear jewelry, it's fine. And so, you know, I had gone out and gotten a modest chain and a modest ring, I think it was, something like that. Anyway, so I'm praying and I'm reading scripture and so forth. And, you know, I'm talking to the Lord. Actually, I was arguing with the Lord. I'm not sure it's here, and I see this passage and see this passage, but I'm not sure that it really means this. And I was going around and around and around. And one morning, I'm having worship. The Lord said to me, do you want to serve me? I said, yes. I'm a committed Christian. He said, do you want to have me use you to the best of your ability? I said, yes. He said, if something were keeping me from using you, would you give it up? And I said, yes. And then I looked at my bedside table and I said, Lord, you don't mean that, do you? It ain't that deep. And he said, yes, I mean that. Choice. He didn't argue with me about scripture. That came later. His question was, are you going to be obedient to something that might distract someone else from being blessed? And I'm afraid to say no to the Lord about things that are clear. That was not a good no answer. Because when I tell you you can't use me, you might not use me. Took the stuff wrapped it up, took it down to the garbage, going back up the stairs. I said, did the Lord really say that? You know how we do. And maybe I need to just go back and pray some more after I take it out the garbage. Left it in the garbage. I think it was two weeks later, I got a call asking me to do something I'd never done before. The Lord was asking me to step up higher and do something more for him. And I still wonder, would that call have come if I'd said no? I don't know. But something else happened right after that. I was in school and I went into an office and I saw a woman sitting there, she's smoking a cigarette. And we talked and da 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 And That Sabbath, I went to visit a church, and she's sitting up front in the choir. And I thought to myself, that's the woman I saw on campus smoking a cigarette. And I wondered if she had been getting up to speak, how well I would have listened. And I turned around in the congregation, and sitting in the congregation was somebody in my department at school who I'd just met. 
And there had been a party that Friday night for our department. And I hadn't gone. And I thought to myself, he could have been sitting there looking at me the way that I was sitting there looking at her. And I thought, okay, Lord, you want to use me. And in order to use me, you need me to say yes to whatever it is you tell me to do and no to whatever it is you tell me to let go of. Some of you need to let go of some things you wear around your neck, in your ears, wherever it is. Some of us need to go through our closets, take some stuff up, put them in a garbage bag, and drop them off tonight so we can go shopping this next week and line our lives up with God. If you look in the Old Testament, there is a story in which the children of Israel had blue ribbons at the bottom of their robes. And it meant faithfulness to God. And I thought to myself, you know what that meant? Every woman in Israel had to arrange her wardrobe so it matched blue. You couldn't wear anything if you wanted to look nice that didn't match blue. It was the symbol of your obedience. And you know what's happening to some of us? We want to wear some stuff, so we've got to take our blue ribbons off. Keep your ribbon on and take off anything that doesn't match. We talked earlier about God confidence, the ability to believe that God can do through you what he wants to do. It is the trust to believe that he'll clothe you anyway. It's the trust to believe that somebody will find you attractive and love you anyway. Are you with me? Some of us need to take our belief and our words and put it into action. Lord, we believe you. Let me show it in my clothes. Lord, we believe you. Let me show it in how I sit, how I stand, how I walk. You can do it. You can do it. Get together with somebody else and hold each other accountable. Don't let some older person in the congregation come talk to you about your clothes. Talk to each other. Be gentle. Be gentle. But remind each other, that is not going to work. It doesn't go with blue. I want to share with you in the last couple minutes something that didn't click in my head until I was preparing the session. Several years ago, I wrote something in my journal, and then I put it in my Palm Pilot so I wouldn't forget. Because every now and then, you have to remind yourself of who you are and what you're doing. So the phrase in my Palm Pilot that says, I am a woman of prayer, of praise, 
And I want to make sure that I get this in the order that I want you to get it. Prayer, praise, passion, power, peace, purpose. I like alliteration. And poise. And I would often look at it. And at different points during the day, I would remind myself, I am a woman of prayer. Pray now. <laughs> I am a woman of praise. Stop whining. As I prepared this presentation, I realized something. There's a circle here of God confidence. As we pray, without ceasing, the Bible says, as we pray on a daily basis and throughout the day, and as we listen, we make other decisions. As we praise, we become beautiful. How so? How do people who praise become beautiful? You can't praise and whine at the same time. You can't praise and become bitter. Women who praise do not become bitter. They don't become ugly old women. Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I want to be a woman of passion. A woman who's passionate about God, about what he says, about who he is, and about who he tells me that I am. Those three things by themselves would change our lives. The women's movement was all about empowering women because they had no power. What does the Bible say? I have not given you spirit of fear, of love, of power, and a strong mind. We are women of power. Godly women are women of power. What does power mean? What does the word power mean? It can come from perseverance. Power is the ability to make change. Power is the ability to make change. So to be empowered, to have power yourself, is the ability to make change. God says, I have given you through my grace and through my power, the power to make change. But he also says, I have given you the power to help make change in other people's lives. Godly women are powerful women. God in them changes them, it changes their husbands, and it changes people around you because all kinds of people are going to be drawn to you. You're going to be witnessing right, left, and center because your face is so attractive. Have you ever wanted to talk to somebody just because their face looks so wonderful? Every now and then I meet somebody who has a really great face, and I'm like, I want to know her story. I want to know what she knows. I want to know what she does. I want to know who she is. And sometimes I want to be like her because her face is so wonderful. 
You have the power to attract people to Jesus Christ through your face alone. But our faces are so busy doing other things. I love the peace texts. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know what? If you're praying and you're praising and you're passionately in love with Jesus using your power in his cause, you're going to have peace. First of all, because a lot of the things that we're stressing about will disappear. When you're busy doing all of this, some of those details become non-issues, non-important. When you know who you are and you're connected, your purpose becomes clear. Every time I come and talk to a group like this, somebody will talk to me afterwards and say, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm called to do. And we're waiting for our purpose to come because then we'll start doing what we're supposed to do. Obey what you've been told now. Your purpose will become clear as you obey. As you talk to the Lord on a regular basis, as he as you get to know him and you get to trust that he knows you, your purpose will become clear. And I added the poise at the end when I did this several years ago because I wanted to be the kind of woman who walks down the street with confidence. I wanted to be the kind of woman who walked like a princess. You know, some women just carry themselves. There's that look about them when they walk into a room and you know that this is someone to be reckoned with? I wanted poise. And as I was doing this pre presentation, I realized godly women are women to be reckoned with. They're not women to play with. These are women who walk in the confidence of God's power. These are women who walk understanding that they are here with something to give. And we are gift to the world. When was the last time you felt like a gift? We are women of poise. We started this morning talking about our worth. And I want to end talking about our worth. The Proverbs 31 women did a lot of wonderful things. But you know what? More important than what she did was the fact that she could do some of those things because of who she is. And you don't need to worry if you do all the things that she does or if you do them all the same ways that she did. You need to worry about are you the person that we believe that she is? Are you walking in God confidence? Are you living as a princess in every aspect of your life? When you go home tonight, ask God for something. Ask him to show you the parts of your life where you're not being a princess. It may be one little section, but you know what? If you can give up that one little section, then he's got it all. Is there a place that you need to give to him 
in complete confidence to become the woman that you would have, he would have you to be. To become the woman that you want to be. Every time I think I'm getting close, he shows me a new place, a new thing that I need to let go or I need to revise or where I need to step up in my obedience to what he asked me to do. And sometimes it hurts. But you know what? I'm liking it. Because I'm growing into his likeness. I'm going back to the image of God created in man in Eden. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. Pastor talked last night about Sabbath in heaven, living here as if we were there. Some of us can't take what we got here there. Anything you can't take with you, let go now. Attitudes, beliefs, behaviors, clothing, relationships, anything you can't take with you, let go now. I'm being serious. You didn't invite me here to play. And some of you I may never meet again. So I better say what needs to be said now. Because this is my calling. And I need God not to hold me responsible for not doing what he told me to do. See, when I've done what he told me to do, my responsibility in your life on this occasion is done. And now it's up to you. You know, I'm going to give an appeal. Because some of us need to make change. And you know it is a fact that if you think about making change and do nothing, you're less likely to make change. And you know how it is. You can go home tonight and tell us how wonderful the session was and what a good time you had, da 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 and do nothing, because we've done it before. How many people need to do something? In the three sessions that we've done, you need to do something. Doesn't matter what it is. You need to do something. Stand up. When you stand up, this is a commitment. Don't play with God. He's not stupid. Don't play with God. If you're not serious, he knows that. This is a commitment where you're saying to God, God, I'm going to become, through your grace, the woman that you would have me to be. I'm going to make the change. I'm starting tonight. Not tomorrow. Tonight. Let's pray. Father, you provided above and beyond what I expected. You have spoken. You've been clear. And we've heard you. Father, we'd like to respond. From the bottom of our hearts, we want you to know that we heard you, that we love you, and that out of that love, we want to obey you. Each woman standing in this room has something that your Holy Spirit has given to her that she needs to change. Some of them are small things. Some of them, Lord, are humongous things. And we don't know how we're going to do it without your grace. But you've promised your grace and it's sufficient. So we claim your promise. We step out in faith in confidence in you. 
that what you've started in us today, you can complete. Be with each of us. Give us all that we need to be obedient to your will. And Father, we thank you already for what you're going to do. And we look forward to meeting each other. If we don't meet here, around the throne and sharing our stories of how you grew us from the woman we are now into women who are totally godly, totally devoted to you. We thank you and we love you. Amen.